Welcome to the Some Weird Podcast, a podcast about strange and unusual stories told by us, a sister and brother team hailing from the island of Newfoundland. I am not your co-host, Chrissy. I am your co-host, Barry. And I know what you're thinking. Isn't that the line Chrissy normally says? Where's Chrissy? How come she's not here? How come we're not hearing Chrissy's voice right now? Well, basically what happened was we did record a new episode recently, and it's about weird wars, and it'll be coming out soon. But we had some issues getting our schedules aligned. I'm sure everyone can appreciate that we both have full-time jobs, we both have young families, and sometimes it's a little bit difficult to get the schedules aligned to record. We did get it recorded, but we just didn't think we'd have enough time to get it properly edited before Monday's uh, drop date for a new episode. So what we decided to do is we have some raw audio left over from our Season 5 premiere about the weird world of wrestling. As anybody who listens to this podcast knows, I'm a big fan of professional wrestling. And when we decided to tackle that topic, I did two stories. One was on the evolution of wrestling from the carnival days right up until the big budget WrestleMania days. And the other was about the Montreal Screwjob. Due to time constraints, we couldn't fit both stories in, so we saved the raw audio in case we ever decided to release it on a future date. And that's what we're going to do here now. It was a very interesting story about the backstage politics of wrestling, and it really shaped wrestling going forward. The company changed directions and really changed their product. And, you know, actually, as a result, it probably got bigger than it ever did. So anyway, I hope you enjoy it. If you are aware of the story, I hope you enjoy our take on it. And if it's new, I hope it's an interesting topic for you. So let's get into the Montreal Screwjob. This story here is Montreal Screwjob. It's a very famous, anyone, even a casual wrestling fan would know this. It's the story of how Bret Hart lost the heavyweight championship to Shawn Michaels in 1997. Are you aware of this story? I think you need to go back and say who all the people are. Okay. Well, professional wrestling is based on simulated combat between two willing participants. <laughs> right? you, don't need, you don't need to go that far back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the outcomes are decided beforehand, and we know who's going to win, who's going to lose, and each participant works together to present the best possible show. So what happens when the promoter or the booker decides that a match has to go a certain way, but one of the participants isn't in on the finish? This is the case of what was infamously called the Montreal Screwjob, which was the match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series 1997. So you, you don't know anything about this? No. Is Survivor Series like a WrestleMania, like a big event? Yeah, so okay. basically, WrestleMania was the first big, you know, super event for WWF. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they went, the next one was the Survivor Series. It was traditionally held around Thanksgiving weekend in the U.S. Then there's SummerSlam, and there's the Royal Rumble. I guess they're the four big ones, right? Okay. Now there's one every month, but uh, they were the four first big ones that became famous in the 80s. Okay. The seeds of this were all planted at WrestleMania 12. So Bret Hart was the champion, and he faced Shawn Michaels in a one-hour Iron Man match for the title. One hour? A one-hour match, yep. So WrestleMania 12, what year are we in right now? That would be 90, I want to say 95, maybe 96, 95 or 96, around there. Okay. Uh, Shawn Michaels was being billed as the next big WWF star, and he needed to achieve his boyhood dream on becoming champion. One thing with Shawn Michaels, he's you know known for being a couple things. One was a great wrestler, but at this time he was also a bit of an arrogant prick. Okay. This whole match was the culmination of the build for Shawn Michaels. He was being billed as the big next superstar for Vince McMahon's WWF, right? Okay. So Shawn eventually won the match, and after the match, you can actually see him in the video mouthing to Bret Hart, get the fuck out of my ring and let me have my moment. Oh, yeah? Like, not in a scripted way. Not in a scripted way. He's like, get, get the fuck out. It's my, it's my time to shine now, right? Oh, so really? Get into my spotlight type thing, right? 
Bret Hart wasn't happy about this, but his contract was expiring soon, and he was planning on moving on into the acting world, which, you know, some a lot of wrestlers did. Some did very successful, like Dwayne Johnson, and Hulk Hogan probably wasn't so successful at it. But a bunch of wrestlers, you know, John did. Cena. John Cena did, yeah. I don't know, Roddy Piper had a few movies, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So Bret Hart had a part in a Canadian series called Lonesome Dolph. Do you remember that show? I remember that title. What was it about? Was this some kind of frontier? Yeah, I'm not, I don't... I don't. I never watched this. Yeah, it's Frontier Cowboys, yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So he he had a character, like a recurring character in the show, and it was talked to he was going to get a spinoff based on his character. Okay, I didn't know he was an yeah. actor, but yeah, well, well I, mean, I don't think he was, but uh, that was his first break, and he figured okay. he'd get this to, to you know get to some acting gigs. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, the show ended up getting canceled not long after his appearance. I don't think it was that was the reason why or anything like that. So while he was away, uh, his contract with WF expired, and WCW made him an offer. So WCW was World Championship Wrestling. It was the other main federation at the time. There was basically at this point there was two. There was World Wrestling Federation, World Championship Wrestling. Uh, it was never as popular as WF, but it was getting super hot at the time due to the New World Order storyline, the NWO. You've heard of that before? Yep. Yeah, it was basically a group of renegade wrestlers looking to take over World Championship Wrestling in storyline. Uh, it was a lot of ex WWF stars like Hulk Hogan was in it, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. And then they looked like they were a renegade organization trying to infiltrate WCW. Was that when Hulk Hogan went bad? Yes, exactly. Hollywood Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. So for the first time, WCW's popularity was getting you know as big or on par with WWF. Another thing about WCW, it was backed by Ted Turner. And you know, oh, okay. he was very rich at the time. He owned TBS, so he had the TV stations and, and the financial backing. Yep. So WCW made Bret Hart an offer. Uh, Vince couldn't match it financially, but he made Bret Hart an offer where he would uh, have a 20-year contract. So he basically have a... 20? Yeah, he basically have a job for life, right? Yeah. And uh, he'd move into an office position once his wrestling days were over. Okay. So Bret Hart was fiercely loyal to Vince. Uh, you know, Vince gave him a start after he worked for Stu Hart, his father Stu, in Calgary. And he agreed to that for the less money, but to work for WWF. So in order to start competing with WCW, which was, you know, ahead at the time, WWF began to get a little edgier with the storylines, colorful language, raunchy stuff. Yeah. And one of the angles they came up with, one of the storylines, angles, the word for storylines in, in wrestling vernacular, uh, was the Canada versus USA angle. So oh. basically, <laughs> Bret Hart became like an anti-USA guy, but when he came to Canada and other countries in the world, he was like cheered as the, the good guy, but in the US, he was cheered to be the bad guy, oh the heel. God. So this was never done before. You never had like a heel in one part of the, like in the USA, but a face in Canada, really. Yeah. And it came, it was very successful. And I, I'll go on record saying this was probably my favorite storyline of all time. It was really well done. It made for some really interesting television and I really okay. enjoyed it. As part of this angle, Brett ended up winning the WF title again. So he was a champion once more. Okay. Now, during this time, business was down in WWF and the general public was preferring the WCW product at the time. It was called the Monday Night Wars. Basically, WWF had a show called Raw. Or Warzone, as you learn in your trivia. Yes. And, and WCW had a show called Nitro. They were on at the exact same time, Monday nights at 9.30 Newfoundland time, 8 p.m., excuse me, Eastern. <laughs> I remember both Raw and Nitro. I got to yeah. admit, I didn't realize they were competing companies or on at the yeah. same time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, WCW was winning the, you know, the quote-unquote Monday Night War. Okay. Vince was losing money, and he made the decision that he could no longer afford the contract he had, the 20-year contract he had for Bret Hart. So he told Brett, I can't afford you anymore. You should go to WCW, see if you can get that same offer they offered you, you know, a year ago, whenever it was. Yeah. So Brett did so, and WCW offered him a big deal. So Brett Hart always maintained he never wanted to leave. He was very loyal to the WWF. 
But he had no choice. Vince told him he can't afford to pay you. Yeah. So he gave WWE his notice and he saw him at WCW. Okay. So this caused two problems. Number one, Bret Hart was the champion and he was leaving. Number two, he had a clause in his 20-year contract that if he ever, the contract was voided and he had to he was leaving before the end of his duration, he had creative control over his character for the last 30 days of the contract. Okay. Which, which is what he had. So the thought always about that was if you're leaving a territory, going to a different company or something like that, they'll try and, you know, make you lose all the time on the way out, make you look weak and probably, you know, make you less valuable to the, to the company you're going to, right? Right. Yep. So if you have creative control, you can prevent that kind of stuff from happening. Right. It was coming up to that year Survivor Series and Brett had a big hype match, a return match from Shawn Michaels. Due to Brett leaving, Vince wanted Brett to drop the title to Shawn Michaels. Okay. That's what usually happens. You leave a territory to go somewhere else, the guy loses on the way out. Now, on top of this, Sean and Brett did not like each other. They were after getting into backstage fights, and they would for often real. make and for real, yeah, they would often make unscripted comments about each other live on the air that the other didn't appreciate. Mm. Uh, you know, Shawn Michaels made allusions that Bret Hart was cheating on his wife, one of the people on uh, in, in WWF and things like that, and they were not friends. Yeah. So one time, Brett tried to bury the hatchet with Shawn Michaels a couple months prior to this, and he said, "You know what, Sean? If Vince asks me to, I'll gladly drop the belt to you." And Shawn Michaels said, you know what? Thanks a lot. I appreciate that, Brett. But if the, the situation was reversed, I wouldn't do it for you. Oh, what a dick. Exactly. So this obviously made Brett furious. So he was adamant that he would not drop the title to Shawn. And he referred to his creative control clause in his contract. Okay. Now, this event was also happening in Montreal. This is at the time when the Canada-USA feud was at its hottest. Brett was like considered a, a god in Canada. Yeah. A national hero. And he said, there's no way I'm losing the belt to Shawn Michaels in Canada. Okay. So on top of all of this, the information that Brett was leaving leaked on the internet and everyone was kind of in on it. Everyone knew that he was leaving and everyone was wondering, geez, what the uh, hell is going to happen here? That kind of sucks, actually, but okay. It does. Yeah. So Vince, knowing that Brett wouldn't drop the belt, he asked him how he wanted to leave. So Brett's idea was that he wanted to have him and Sean, their match in some sort of disqualification due to outside interference, which is not uncommon in wrestling. Right. And he would go on live television the following day and surrender the belt and leave with his head held high. Vince did not like this plan. He was concerned that Brett would go to WCW with the WWF World Championship belt. Right? Saying, you know, WCW, like, oh, we signed their, their world champion type thing. Oh. This actually happened earlier, uh, a couple of years ago. Alondra Blaze, who was the WWF Women's Champion, signed with WCW when she was still the Women's Champion. She On live TV, she had a, the, the actual WWF World Championship belt or Women's Championship belt, and she threw it in the garbage right on live TV. Oh, oh my God. There yeah. seems to be a lot of backstabbing in the business. Oh, yeah. It was a real dirty feud this time, the WCWWF feud. Yeah. Okay. So Brett was a man of integrity. He said he would never do that, but I guess, you know, Vince don't know. I mean, money talks and you probably yeah. do anything for the right price, right? It's like the million dollar man said, everybody's got a price. <laughs> oh, wait. Ted DiBiase? Ted DiBiase. That's right. Yes. Okay. So the night before the show, uh, Vince had a conference call with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. So Triple H was Shawn Michaels' good friend. They had a, a group called Degeneration X, which I'm sure you've heard of at some point. No, but I like Never. the name. <laughs> okay. So they were called Degeneration X. Triple H is now Hunter Helmsley. He's like the head of WF now that Vince is no longer around, right? Vince is no longer around. No, he uh, Vince was a bad boy. He had some sexual assault charges. And he, he, he ended oh. up resigning. But anyway. Oh, I thought you meant he was dead. Oh, no, no, he's still alive, but he's just no longer with WWE Associated. Okay, but Triple H, isn't he married to Vince's Stephanie, yes. daughter in real life? Yeah, like, okay. he was. Yeah, he is. At this, at this time, he was just a, another wrestler. 
Oh, okay. At this time, they had a, they had a conference call to talk about what they're going to do in the match with Shawn Michaels, uh, Triple H, Triple H at the time, who was not part of the office. He was just another wrestler. Yeah. And Vince was basically saying, talking about the match, and said, Brett won't drop the belt. So Triple H, like after the conversation, he was like, screw this. If, if he's not willing to do business, we'll do it for him. How did he come in with the big britches talking about if he wasn't, you know, one of the guys? Like, how, why was he even involved? Because he was Shawn Michaels' good friend and, and part of his wrestling group called Degeneration oh, X. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. They so were, they're, they're, just, they're just kind of chatting, right? And oh, okay. he He basically said, you know what? If this guy's not going to do business, we'll do it for him. Oh, okay. So they devised a plan somehow to screw Brett off the, out of the belt and have him lose without his cooperation. So Vince McMahon told his closest confidants, and that was Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson, about the plan. So these are the only people that ever knew. On the day of the show, on top of all this, there was a documentary crew following around Brett because they were filming a documentary, a wrestling documentary called Wrestling with Shadows. This was agreed to by Vince months ago and long before any of this drama was ever happening. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the backstage stuff was actually recorded for this documentary. Bret Hart had a meeting with Vince McMahon before the show, and he was wearing a mic, or a hidden mic, for the conversation that they recorded for this documentary. For, as far as I know, Vince was unaware of. So in this meeting, Brett and Vince agreed that they're going to do a DQ finish. The plan was um, the British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Jim Neidhart would run out. They were the Team Canada crowd. They were going to run out during the match, and they'll have a big schmaz and a big fight, and it'll end up as a, d- a disqualification. Okay. So Brett went to meet with Pat Patterson after the match. So Pat Patterson, he was an agent, and his job was to kind of help work with the wrestlers and the talent to help create the match and say, oh, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to finish the match, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So he told Brett this was their plan. The referee would get hit and get knocked out, which is, you know, very uncommon in a wrestling match. And, you know, something happens to the ref, he falls down, and someone starts cheating, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Shawn Michaels would put Bret Hart in a move called a sharpshooter. That was Bret's finishing move, and it's like a submission move. It's kind of like a kind of like a Boston Crab. You know what a Boston Crab is? Yeah. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. He's going to put him in that move. Bret would reverse it, and a bunch of wrestlers would come to the ring as the referee would wake up, and that's how the match would end. That's what they told Bret Hart we're going to do. So just before the match started, Gerald Briscoe, the other one of Vince McMahon's confidants, went to the ref assigned to the match, Earl Hebner, and told him the plan. So the day prior, Brett was a little concerned that something could happen, and he knew that Earl Hebner was refing the match, and he asked him, he said, is there any way you'd screw me out of this match or convince them to, you know, to trick me or something? Earl Hebner said he swore in his kid's life that he would quit before he'd, he'd screw Brett in the match. And he yeah. said that before he was ever asked to do it. Uh. Right? So basically, they came out to him just before the match and said, this is what you're doing. If you don't do it, you're fired, and we'll get somebody else to do it. So uh, the guy kind of had no choice, right? So the match begins. They're brawling all over the, the arena. Vince is out ringside, but he's not commentating, which was unusual. He was just kind of standing around. Yeah. And while they're all brawling on the outside, he was yelling at him to get in the ring. So we eventually get to the part where the referee gets knocked out. Jim Neidhart, the British Bulldog, and Owen Hart are in the back waiting for their cue to be go to the ring and start the DQ finish. Yeah. So the ref gets bumped like you normally do, and, and Sean gets ready to put the sharpshooter move on Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he does that, the referee pops back up, which wasn't, according to Brett, part of the, the original script, Yeah. and asks for the referee to ring the bell. Vince McMahon, who's ringside, looks at Timekeeper and says, ring the fucking bell. <gasps> the bell rings, and Shawn Michaels is your new champion, unbeknownst to Bret Hart. So as soon as that happens, Earl Hebner, the referee, just jumps out of the ring, runs up the ramp, jumps into a waiting car in the backstage, and he drives off. Because he's afraid he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. Exactly. <laughs> Holy cow. So Bret Hart is in the ring, and he's just beside himself with what happened. He's heartbroken. Like you said, he's worked for this guy for 14 years, given what he says is all the blood, sweat, and tears, didn't miss yeah. any dates, all this kind of stuff. And the guy just screwed him out of the championship, which, you know, to the one guy he didn't want to lose to. Right. 
So he sees Vince on the outside, looks at him, and just spits on him. <gasps> so Vince is wiping the spit out of his face. He runs out and is like, all the monitors, you know, the commentators got the monitors on the outside. Yeah. He grabs them. He starts smashing them. Holy um, shit. And this is and he, this is not scripted. None of this is scripted. None of this happens. Now, some people say it was all a work, quote unquote work, but I, I don't think it was. I think this blindsided Brett completely. Or it's the best work ever. Or it could be the best work ever. I, I don't think so, but some people do think it that way. Okay. So Shawn Michaels had a surprised look on his face, and he denied ever having any knowledge what was going on. And he denied it for years. And this was, uh, he eventually admitted he knew. And Vince McMahon told him, he said, no matter what, deny, deny, deny. I want to take the heat. I don't want you to take any heat for this. Okay. So Shawn Michaels, when it all happened, he was had the big surprise look on his face saying, geez, what happened here, right? Backstage after the show, everything is chaos. A lot of the wrestlers are pissed off with how he got uh, Bret Hart got screwed, worried it's going to happen to them, and said that they're going to walk out of the company. Nobody actually did. A lot of people were saying at the time. So Vince McMahon wanted to talk to Brett to explain his decision and why he did it. Bret Hart was obviously very upset. He took wrestling very seriously. Some people would say too seriously. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he said he's going to take a shower and if Vince is still around when he's out of the shower, he's going to knock him out. Wow. So Brett goes, has his shower. After he's done, Vince goes to try and talk to him. Brett lays him out. He said he punched him as hard as he could, broke his hand, got him a big... Uh, broke his big, hand? Apparently, yeah. And Vince had his big shiner. A big brawl occurs between certain wrestlers, like the the ones that are Brett and the ones that are back in McMahon. Well, not really a brawl, but a big scuffle occurs. Yeah. So the documentary crew that are there, they didn't capture the fight, but they do capture Vince walking out afterwards, and he's walking, and he's visibly, like, very woozy on his legs, like he had a concussion or something like that, right? Holy shit. Yeah, Because Vince wobbly. McMahon was jacked, too. He was, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Brett, Brett smacked him pretty hard. Wow. Bret Hart has always said he, this was all unnecessary. He never would have went to WCW with the belt. He felt devastated that after all the time he did with the company, this is how they treated him. He said he figured he thought of Vince of like a dad, and he felt so betrayed after a lot of years of service. So in the aftermath of this, Bret Hart went to WCW. It was a bit of a mess. They never really knew what to do with him, and he never really caught much steam, w, WCW. Uh, WF fans kind of turned on Vince McMahon, and he used that hatred to create a new Mr. McMahon persona. He feuded with Steve Austin and launched what was probably the most successful era in wrestling history, the Attitude Era. WCW eventually lost a TV deal due to a Time Warner merger, mm. and it got so WWF bought it for three million bucks, and WWF became the only major wrestling promotion in town up until I guess really 2018, until AEW started. But that's a story for another day. Holy cow! So the whole reason why McMahon wanted Shawn Michaels to win was because he didn't want Bret Hart to not lose the championship. Yeah, so basically where Bret Hart was leaving, uh, his concern was a couple. Number one, that Bret Hart could show up in WW, WCW with the WWF championship belt, just like Alundra Blaze did, right? Right. So that was the big thing. Like He was leaving, so he said, you know, before you leave, you got to drop the belt, to, and I want you to drop to Shawn Michaels because he's going to be my next big star. Bret Hart always said that he would have dropped the belt to a bunch of other wrestlers, but he wouldn't do it to Shawn Michaels. And the reason being was the personal animosity yeah. they had with each other. And, you know, Shawn Michaels flat out saying he wouldn't do it for him, right? Yeah. So that was a big part of it. Bret, Bret always said he was a professional and he would drop it to anybody else, but he wouldn't drop it to Shawn. Yeah. Uh, some people say, you know, Bret screwed Bret because he should have dropped the belt. He should have done it. He was leaving. He should have done what the promoter asked. Right. Other people say that. Other people say that, you know, he had that creative control. He was willing to drop the belt yeah. to somebody else. They could easily drop it to somebody else, and then they gave it to Sean the night after, right? But Exactly, uh, yeah. McMahon is a dick, but you can't deny that he's he knows how to 
then like, build a business. Even in this, you said like he turned it around and became like Mr. McMahon, and, like almost like yeah. an alter ego or whatever. Like he really leaned into it. He did, yeah. Not caring that he looked so bad because that, like I said, it probably put the most popular era of wrestling followed yeah. that. Yeah, it was a unintentional uh, offshoot of all this, right? So, I, I remember watching this live. It was in '97. I was at uh, West Side Charlie's in Bay Roberts. Oh yeah. Our cousin was there with me. We were watching this. Okay. And what happened was it when it happened, it just went off the air, like the spit and all that. You didn't see that live on uh, on pay per view. It had oh. like, but you see it afterwards, right? So because they stopped showing it, they cut yeah, because they knew. I guess they knew what was happening. They said, oh. you know, cut the feed, cut the feed, right? Because I guess they didn't well, want to... that would make me think that it was not the biggest work or job yeah. or whatever you call it yeah. <laughs> ever, because there's no way pay per view would yeah. lose that money. Now, it was all recorded and all that, and all the footage is out there, so. Yeah, yeah, but at the time that it was on live, that was a pay-per-view, right, you said? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no way that pay-per-view would have cut it out, because no. it it's money right there, right? Yeah. So, that's to me, that's the biggest thing that would make me think that it was real. Wow. That's the story of the Montreal Screwjob. It's, like I said, any wrestling, any casual wrestling fan knows that story pretty well, but I'm not sure how many wrestling fans we have in our podcast. I know we have a couple. It's very interesting to see the inner workings and... You know, uh, someone wanting to win, someone refusing to win, and what they got to do. And this doesn't happen very often. There's, there's a couple of occurrences throughout wrestling history, but for the most part, you don't have a guy going to the ring thinking that a match is going to go one way when it actually goes another. Well, I can say that I am not a casual wrestling fan, but I did yeah. find that story very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully our, our listeners will as well. What a dirty business. It is. It really is a dirty business. I mean, you're on the road. Yeah. For, you know, Bret Hart was considered, you know, a national hero. And I love Bret Hart. Like, I, I love Bret Hart the wrestler. I read his book. I mean, you know, and it's probably like this with all athletes, but he had like a a woman in every town and yeah. he was always cheating. And they're, they're on the road 350 days a year. Yeah. Uh, they're treated like, you know, I wouldn't say circus animals, but they're expected to perform despite injuries, despite everything yeah. else. They get addicted to drugs. Yeah. And it's a funny thing. You, you'll see, you hear people talking about it. At the end, they got nothing. And, you know, for the yeah. most part, most of them say... I wouldn't trade it for the world. They love the business, right? I don't think there's any profession that defines some weird yeah. as much as professional wrestling. Like you got two yeah. guys that are they're pretending to fight. Yeah. Uh, well, I always say pretending, but you know, it's a choreographed kind of dancer team to fighting and they try to blur the line between reality and, and showmanship and yeah. they have all these crazy characters and costumes and it's just a, a very weird industry. It is, and it's interesting. There you have it, the weird story of the Montreal Screwjob. What do you think? You can share your ideas with us at somewhereadpodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at somewherepod, or on the Instagram machine at somewherepod. You can also visit our website, somewherepodcast.com. And if you haven't already done so, please follow or subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to help us out, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen so others can find us. And don't be afraid to tell a friend about the Somewhere Podcast. Montreal Screwjob with some weird boy. Guitar strum. Sorry, I don't have that with me. See ya.